sometimes we could come to church with this idea that it's like a funeral, you know, and we're just kind of mourning the loss of our nation and the loss of this and the loss of that, when in reality, this is the one place we ought to be able to come and get together as God's people and feel refreshed and encouraged and that we have an I am who's given us hope and peace. And so there is an energy that comes with that, and that energy is displayed in different ways and different personalities. Mine ha- happens to be hyper. And that's okay. That's how God made me. I get excited about things. And that's awesome. Colossians 2 in your Bibles. And I'm going to give you a quick recap. And I mean really quick. But please <clears throat> let me do that. That will help you, I'm sure. Because we have preached for now nine consecutive uh, 10, 11 sermons. Oh, uh, yes. Do we need worship guides? I'm sorry. If you need a worship guide, raise your hand. Yeah, good. I'm glad you did that, Kim. Thank you. Uh, sometimes I need that Butch is out of town, and he usually does this. Great. Thank you, ushers. That, that's wonderful. I'm so glad everyone's getting the, the worship guide. So as you look at your worship guide, you'll see that we have some notes if you were here a couple of Sundays ago, but it's been kind of a climatic series as we've discussed this summer for our church family, the idea of what is the church in the Bible, and how does that look, and what was the governance of the, of the church in Scripture and we took time to, to study that uh, with, with elders and, and deacons on two or three different Sundays. We actually looked also at what it means uh, for the church to, to, to live together in community and to love one another, even sometimes when that means a brother approaches a brother, and where at times that, that ends up uh, in, in, an, in an attempt for the church to rally around someone who is hurting, someone who is in sin, someone who has fallen out of church and uh, tried to bring them in, and that church discipline is not something that, uh, that, that says, I don't like you or we hate you. No, church discipline says we love you and we can't leave you that way. You're our brother. You're our sister. We've talked about that for two or three Sundays. Uh, we talked about our church covenant uh, and what it means to, to, to live together in a covenant relationship as a church family, taking membership to another level. So we've, we've had a lot of great discussions. And we began a couple of weeks ago, finally... Uh, in a finale type of a way, discussing the four marks of a quality church. And the way we approached this message, this final message, was the idea that, you know, that in our generation, the church seems to be known for church growth. If you go back 20, 30 years ago, uh, you know, there were, we said, about 200 churches that averaged 2,000 in our entire country. Today, there are well over 2,000 churches that average over 2,000 in attendance. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of churches that average over 5,000. There are a good dozen to 15 that average over 10,000, a couple over 20,000. There are churches in different parts of the world that actually have over 100,000 people. And it seems as if the majority of this great church growth emphasis and the results of this have happened really in the past 20 or 30 years. We did not say that church growth was bad. We just said that Maybe church growth is not always a good thing. Because when you look at what they describe as church growth, it's really not about necessarily adding Christians to the church. They're just talking about size of the church, more people in the church. But are we really focusing on what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ? And if we're to have the church that God would really smile upon, we decided as a group of leaders in our church to begin to focus our efforts on quality of ministry and not necessarily quantity of ministry. Reason being is because God's responsible for the quantity. God builds his church. 
God's responsible for how big the church gets. God's responsible for the size of the church. When we truly do church the way God intends for us to do it, it won't always look like we're really into church growth. Some of the things we've discussed in the past eight or nine weeks are not things that church growth people talk about. And sometimes people get a little nervous because, well, well preacher, what, what happens if, if people won't come because of that? Can I assure you this, that if we do things God's way, God will build his church. God will build his church. And I believe that's, that's a biblical statement, that God will build his church. We talked about what we're getting fired up about here is, is, is not numbers of people, but about quality of ministry. And as the quality of ministry begins to improve, and as we become, as the sermon series title states, a biblical model, as we continue to grow in that, then God will take care of the size. Quality is about impacting people's lives. Let's let God take care of how many people we minister to. But let us focus our efforts on being a biblical community that are seeking to follow Christ with all of our hearts. And that's beginning to happen. It's getting very exciting for me. And just take in that little statement and, and, and read it, study it, and take this week some time to really focus on that. That may be the key statement that I make in this two-series sermon, if you will, and really focus in on what does that mean and what does that say. Ask questions if you need to ask questions in your small groups this week about that particular statement. What does it mean to be a true follower of Christ with our whole hearts? Then we moved on to Colossians chapter 2, which you have opened in your Bibles. I want you to look there with me at verse 1, and let's read that. For I would that you knew what great conflict, Paul writing here, in prison. He says, I'm in great conflict. I'm in great stress. I'm, I'm under a deep, heavy burden. Big time, Paul said. As I write this to you from prison. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm under conflict, I'm under stress, I have uh, for you and, and for them at Laodicea. And, and as for many as have not seen my, my face, my flesh. In other words, many of those he was writing to had not seen him. Paul had not been to this church and he really wanted to go. He had heard of this church, but he was so concerned about these people here. And so Paul begins to share with them some things that we're going to look at today. We looked at a couple of them last week, and we decided these four things are are distinctly spoken of here in these seven or eight verses. Number one being this in verse number two, that Paul said the mark of a quality church is one that is encouraged in heart. They're encouraged in heart. Look, if you would, just as we review real quick verse number two, and that their hearts might be comforted. That word comforted is another word for encouraged. Their hearts might be encouraged. Their hearts might be comforted. We showed you a verse on the screen. I think we've got it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And I don't think anybody here would argue with me that our outward man is perishing. I mean, hey, listen, as we get older, isn't it unreal how we, it, we feel weaker? We have more ailments. But you know what's awesome? Is though I'm getting weaker and weaker on the outside, I'm getting stronger and stronger on the inside. And that's the whole idea, is that God looks on the heart. And God says, as we come to church today, we're to encourage one another that God is in control. Amen. That he is the I am. That he has extended mercy to us. That he is stronger than our sin. Amen. These are things that encourage us. 
if you were encouraged during the worship time uh, by listening to the, to the words, to those songs. And listen, that's, that to me is something I look forward to every Sunday. Honestly, I'm not up here singing to you. I'm singing to Jesus. I'm grateful today that he is my savior, that, that he has broken the chain of sin in my life, that he has given me an opportunity to know him personally and to be saved. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. What part can we play in encouraging people? Well, we said, first of all, we can come alongside people. We said, secondly, we can say something to them. We can walk alongside them. We can encourage them by walking with them. We can say something to them. Paul was calling the the believers here at Colossae to come alongside them and and to encourage one another. I don't know if you've had the chance yet this morning to encourage somebody, but that's a good thing. If you've already done that, if you've got on the property early enough to find someone who might have needed some encouragement, to walk alongside someone just to say, hey, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking about you. I know, Ken, you've got surgery this week on, on your uh, knee, right? It's this week, Monday, tomorrow. Ken, I want to encourage you and tell you I've already prayed for you today. I'm asking God, it's a great soldier, served in Vietnam and other wars and uh, boy, he is, a, he is a true soldier of this country. And what, what a wonderful thing it would be for that knee to, to be strengthened. And, and I'm, I'm burdened about that, Ken, and I'm praying for you. Amen. So well, I didn't know that. Well, you know it now. You know it now. And as we find out about things, we have a chance to encourage one another. That's big-time ministry, Paul says. In fact, Paul said this. If I had a chance to come to your church, he goes, I don't. I'm in prison. I wish I could. If I, but if I had a chance to come to Colossae and talk to you, the first thing I would tell you is this. Are you guys encouraging one another? Are you encouraging? Are you helping one another? Are you lifting one another's burdens and caring for one another? Oh, that's so exciting. God knows this is true. Every time I step into this pulpit, my goal is to encourage you. In some way or form, I want to encourage you. Number two, we talked about being united in love. And I gave you several verses uh, that Scripture tells us that we are glued together by love. In fact, in 1 John, we'll just look at these uh, chapter number 3 and verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. The next verse, we just go one after the other. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. It's not just an option. It's not something you can say, well, I really don't want to love the people in my church. Sorry, that's sin. God's commanded us to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. Amen. That worked out real good. (laughs) For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, everyone that's born of God, everyone that's truly saved, everyone that is a true follower of Jesus Christ, and everyone that knows God loves the brethren. And then finally, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Kind of like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, if God loved us, we, surely we can love one another. Amen. In fact, God said in his word that this world would know that we are his disciples. By what? By love. By how we love one another. And so we do that by what we say. We said that last, a couple of weeks ago. By, we show our love by what we do. We show our love by, and this gets a little harder, by where we stand. Sometimes love is tough and we have to stand and, and we have to confront someone that we love with truth and say, look, brother, I love you, but 
you're, 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 you're hurting your family. You're hurting your children. You're, you're hurting yourself. You're, you're hurting the cause of Christ. I, I need to talk with you. I can't let you just do this without you knowing that I love you and I, and I don't want to see your life destroyed. That's not practiced very much in church. You know, we don't like to get in people's space. The truth of the matter is, is if you love your brother or your sister in Christ, sometimes it's going to require us to get in each other's space. But guess what? I just want to go on record as saying, you have my permission. I need you. I can't live the Christian life alone. I need you. I need you to help me. I'm not some preacher that just has power that's so unusual and so extra special that I'm better than somebody sitting in the pews. I don't have that. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm still in the ministry and preaching. It's just by his grace, by the prayers of God's people, and by the conviction and correction of the Holy Spirit and friends like yourself. And then we, we show love by spending time with others. You can't love people you don't know, and you can't know people you don't spend time with. And so encouraged in heart and united in love. Then we said thirdly, and this is where we will pick up the message. This is new, all right? Are we there? That's not too bad. Pretty quick review. Thirdly, we said this, the mark of a quality church, not necessarily a church that, that has just a lot of folks on Sunday, nothing wrong with having a lot of folks on Sunday, a lot of folks in this room, but that, that's the mark of a quality church is, is that they are growing in their understanding. In their understanding of what? Look, if you would, at verse number 2. And their hearts might be comforted, encouraged in heart, being knit together in love, united in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. You see, we believe in absolute truth here at Gospel Light. We do believe that there is a right and that there is a wrong. And we are building our lives here on absolute truth. You say, how do you know that? We know that because we are growing in our understanding of the Word of God. And the more we grow as a church family through gatherings like this one, and and through our small groups, and through our personal relationship with God in the Bible. The more we grow, the more time we spend, the more we read God's word. Is this not true? The more we understand stuff that a lot of other people don't understand. Amen. We're growing in our understanding of God, of the mysteries of God and of Christ. You see, we believe that you can know for sure that you are going to heaven. Amen. We believe that. We've come to the understanding that, that, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that do not believe. How do we know that? How do we believe that? We've come to understand that through God's word. We're growing in that. We understand that the natural man cannot perceive the things of the spirit of God. Neither can he, he know them for they are foolishness to him. How do we know that? We know that because we're understanding it in God's word. We understand that the entire uh, creator of the, uh, 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 rather, the, the entire creation, the entire world is under the curse of sin. Everyone is under the curse of sin. 
Every man's a sinner. Every woman's a sinner. No one has ever lived a perfect life apart from Jesus Christ. How do you know that? We understand that because the, world tell, the Bible tells us the world is really messed up. And it's been messed up for a long time. We understand that God has not promised to spare believers of heartache. But what has God promised? We understand this. He's promised not to spare us from heartache, but to be with us as we go through the heartache. Isn't there a difference between a believer, one who really knows God and and studies his word? Isn't it amazing that we still go through stuff? But have you ever wondered, how in the world are they making it through that? Let me tell you how. God is with them. God is giving them grace. God is giving them strength. It's incredible. And we understand that in scripture. God hasn't spared us from trouble. God hasn't spared my family from heartache. But he sure has been with us in the midst of it. We understand these things. To so many, God is a mystery. Isn't that what verse 2 says? Look at it again. It says, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. To so many, God is just a mystery. Think today with me about the thousands of college campuses and the millions of students on those college campuses that are reading books by the dozens that don't say one thing about Jesus. Not one thing. Millions of young people today studying on college campuses. It reminds me of that passage that we understand that says, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And somehow, thank you Jesus, somehow in a healthy church, people begin to open their eyes to the mystery of God and begin to understand the significance and the greatness of knowing their creator. And guess what? It's not boring. It's actually really exciting to to learn more about the scriptures and to know more about God. It's awesome. Isn't that what verse 3 says? Look at verse 3. He says, to whom are hid all the treasures of the wisdom, of wisdom and knowledge. What are the treasures? The treasures are God. Think about it. It says in verse 2, the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom, in Christ, are hid all the treasures and and wisdom of wisdom and knowledge. And so in a healthy church, here's what needs to happen. We need to grow. Grow in our knowledge of God and the great privilege it is to treasure him and to know him personally. Amen. I don't take it for granted. I, I, I love it. I, I want to be here. I really do want to be here. I'm not rolling over in bed saying, oh, it's church today. No, I, I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. And I don't have to go to small group this week. I get to go to small group. And I don't have to study my Bible early in the morning. I can't wait to understand more about God. One of the greatest gifts that I've been given is, is just to grow in my knowledge of how awesome God is. It's built my faith. It's strengthened my faith. And that brings us to a warning here. Look at the warning he gives us in verse verse 4. He says, and this I say. I say all this because there are going to be men that come in. And they're going to try to beguile you, bewitch you. They're going to try to trick you with enticing words. Be very careful To grow in your understanding of God's word so that you are not like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Make sure you know what you believe and why you believe it. Don't you just believe what you believe because I said it. Been there, done that. Amen? 
been there, done that. No, no, you study God's word. You get into it yourself. That's why this is not enough, folks. Listen, a 35, 40-minute sermon a week is, is not enough for me. It's not enough for you. We must go deeper, and that's the challenge that, that so many of us as church members now are being faced with, and that is, okay, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not going to a Sunday school before the main service. Maybe now it's a, it's a small group where we're taking more time and, and, and more effort to really study God's Word together but I'm going to live in that type of community in my church. I'm going to find me a place where I can grow more in my understanding because I don't want to be enticed by words that are deceitful and wrong. And then finally, Paul said, if you want to be a quality church, he speaks to the church at Colossae. He says, you are going to be flourishing in faith. Flourishing in your faith. Your faith in Christ What do I mean by flourishing in faith? Well, it's just another way of saying this, growing spiritually. You're going to be growing spiritually. And now look with me, if you would, at verse 5 and see how that kind of looks here to us. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit. Look at this, church. This is really cool. Paul's writing this again, remember, from prison. And he says, I'm absent in the flesh, but I'm with you in the spirit, and I'm I'm joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I'm, I'm blown away. I am so excited. I am joying. I've got joy in my heart because you are growing spiritually. I can see it. I've heard about it. I mean, he can't see it with his eyes. He already said he couldn't do that. But he's heard about it. He, he, is, he is excited for that church because they are flourishing in their faith. Notice those two words, in in that verse, order and steadfastness. Order. Order meaning this, getting it together. Just getting it together. Understanding. You know, Mike just a moment ago prayed in this service, 12 years in the army. I can guarantee you one thing that military people learn is, hey, you better have your act in order. Amen? It's all about stepping right, saluting right. A lot of order in the military. In fact, that's why some go off to the military because they don't have enough order in their lives. You know what I mean? And so sometimes we, 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 we kind of think that will help someone who does not have order. Well, can I tell you, the church needs to grow people spiritually where they are getting their lives in order. And then as a result of that, they're steadfast. They're steadfast. They're just solid in the faith. They're learning the scriptures. They can give an answer. They can actually give an answer. When somebody has a question about God, they are ready to give an answer. And how, how, does all this, how is all this accomplished? Well, it says, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. It's really all about faith. The bottom line of a quality church is, are the people in that church trusting God? It's the bottom line. It's always been the bottom line. We are all going through stuff, are we? Everybody here is going through something. You are. But we are all trusting God with our stuff. Amen? Whatever it is we're going through. The question is, are we trusting God? He says in verse number 6, as he encourages this church, he says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, you've been saved, right? Yes, yeah, I've been saved. Oh, yeah, I've been saved. Well, then walk in him. Well, I've already been saved, I know. But the same way you got saved is the same way you walk. You got saved by faith and you walk in faith. Amen? See, not much changes. It's almost like every day we need to examine ourselves in the faith. 
I think some people are saved 20 years, and all they talk about is 20 years ago. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I was saved this past September the 1st, 34 years. Just celebrated my spiritual birthday. But can I tell you, I sure am glad I'm not sitting back there 34 years ago. <laughs> I'm so thankful that every day that, that God has, through a process of discipline, through a process of learning, through a process of, of struggling, through a process of growing in my order, in my steadfastness, I find myself now 34 years later, <laughs> by faith, Amen. It's been by faith, saved by faith, and I'm living by faith. And I don't want to stay where I'm at today. And so Paul says, keep it up. The same way you came to God in Christ is the same way you will flourish in Christ. How do you, how do you come to Christ? Somebody tell me. How do you come? By faith. How do you grow in Christ? By faith. The same way you come is the same way you grow. Faith is not a part of the Christian life. Faith is the whole thing what it's all about it's about a being a people of faith look at verse 7 this is awesome i love verse 7 this will be the last verse we read together rooted and built up in him and established in the faith there it is again as we have been taught abounding therein and here's my final thought church abounding therein with thanksgiving that is incredible it really is. Now, if it's not incredible to you yet, I pray that between now and, and a few days from now, that it'll explode in your heart. Because here's what Paul is saying here. Notice the word thanksgiving. Because I'm going to try to take just a thought here and, and potentially revolutionize the level of appreciation you have for the great God that we have this morning. Abounding with thanksgiving. You see, if you'd come this morning, if you might take some time this morning to come this morning and just get down on your knees or sit in your seat or even where you're standing, wherever you are and however you want to do it, and you would lay all your burdens aside, because I know you got them, because I got them. Lay them all aside, and here's what I want you to do. After you lay your burdens aside, I want you then to just thank God for 10 things. Just thank him for, for 10 things. And can I guarantee you something? I promise this will work. If it doesn't work, your money back, guarantee. I guarantee you it will start a fire in your faith. It really will. Every morning of my life, including this morning, I did this. I woke up this morning and before I even got in the word of God, knowing this was going to be a busy day of two messages and two services and other duties as a pastor, knowing all of that, I, I needed God to, to, to really show me himself. And, and, I, and I needed to have some, some order and some steadfast. I wanted to abound today in, in my faith. And so I just began to thank him. I just thanked him for I mean, all kinds of things. I thanked him for my family. I thanked him for my awesome wife. I thanked him for my little daughter that I had a little date with yesterday and went out and we got a dress together and got a Sonic together. And well, I got a Starbucks and she got a Sonic. Amen. You can tell old people get Starbucks, young people get Sonic. You know what I mean? And then I took Mo and Susanna and Carol Ann on a double date. We had dinner together and just, and then, and then when, when Mo and Susanna got out of the car and started walking back up to the house, we dropped them off. You know, Carol Ann says, praise Jesus, honey, look at that. That's that's worth it all. She said, just 
so good to just have kids that love Jesus and love one. I thought, I thought praise God. We know what she's doing. She's thanking God. It's worth it to love God, to serve God. It's worth it to grow in your understanding of God's word. There's so much to be thankful for. And when we are truly thankful. Hey, are you thankful for the person you're sitting next to right now? Amen. Hey, husbands, you should have just right there said, yes, amen. You know. Okay, you don't have to say it that way, amen. But at least, maybe, you know, a little touch right there would have been good. I'm thankful today. Incredibly thankful. You see, the health of a church is made up of, of the health of the individuals in that church. And I don't know how healthy you are right now. I don't know that. I don't. But I'm praying that you will take these, these four things. Encouraged in heart. United in love, growing in understanding, flourishing in faith. And in closing today, I want to ask us to do four things. It's, it's, we're actually a little early because I knew I was going to ask you to do four things. You say, whoa, 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 four things. What's up? I want to give you a test. I want to give you a project. And then we're going to sing a song together. And then we're going to pray a prayer over the church today. So let's talk about the test. The test is before you. You can see it. Give yourself a score of 1 to 10 on these eight statements. Number one, and you don't have to do it right now, but just sometime. Maybe think about it right now. Number one, when I'm not trusting God, I know it. And the Holy Spirit convicts me, and, and I repent, and I begin afresh. When I'm not trusting God, when I find myself depending on my own strength, I quickly repent. Or is your attitude more like, you know what, I'm okay. I, I really don't need church. I come once a month. You're probably more like a three, two, one. Just be honest. But if you understand how important God is in your life and you can do nothing without him. And when you try to do something without him, you quickly repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And you might be closer to a 10. Number two, my faith in God is growing. I can see it. I've got more joy in my faith than I've ever had before. Ask yourself that question. Is that true? And if it is, where would you say that you're at? Just a personal question. It's a test. It's good for us as we discover what is the quality of my faith right now? Where am I at spiritually? Question three, I have a growing satisfaction in the value of knowing God. I'm beginning to comprehend the treasure of really knowing my creator. Now, if you just said, what in the world is he talking about? You're probably about a one. Okay. But if you thought, hmm, am I growing in my satisfaction and the value of knowing God? Number four, I'm growing in my understanding of God's word. In other words, your Bible's not something that's gathering dust. Your Bible is not something you pick up once a week on the way out. In fact, sometimes you forget it and have to run back in and get it. Where was it? Where did I put it last Sunday? Three, two, one. Ah. Man, I love God's word. Brother Eric, I can hardly wait to come to church. And I just, I, I love it when I get my worship guide. And I love small group. And just getting around the word of God. Number five. When I see opportunities to express Christ's love, I pray seriously about how I can do it. 
You say, well, what do you mean? I, I didn't know there's ways we could express Christ's love. Do you get your worship God every week? Did you see our pray for our city? Let me see what we're praying for. Here's a way you can express Christ's love. Right here. This week we're praying for Eureka Baptist Church. So maybe you could just call Eureka Baptist Church. Steve Lake's one of my best friends. He's a black pastor in town. He's, he's an amazing guy. Hey, uh, Brother Steve, you don't know me. My name's Mark Cantrell. I just thought I'd call you. You're in our bulletin this week, Steve. Just leave a message on his church answering machine. Wouldn't it be great if Steve goes to work in the morning and there's like 75 messages? What in the world? Hey, Brother Steve, this is Ray Stauber. I go to Gospel Light. Just thought I'd tell you I love you and praying for you. And then look at here. We're, on, we're praying for the Samaritan Ministries of Hot Springs, whose mission is to serve homeless men with the love and compassion of Christ. I guarantee you, if you read those six things, you'll find one thing you can do to be a blessing. One thing that you can be a blessing to that ministry. That's what I'm talking about. Or does that, I've never read that before. Three, two, one. I can truly say, question six, I love the people in this church. I love them. I love the people in this church. I love, I love my brothers and sisters at Gospel Light. I love them. I love going to church with them. I love shaking their hands. I love, I love just being here. It's just exciting. Can't wait to see so-and-so when I get to church. I know he's going to shake my hand. I can't wait to, to hear the worship said. I, I, I just I love my church. Number eight. Last one. I've already ministered to and encouraged at least one person since I came here today. That's basically one or ten. Okay, don't, no two, two through nine on that one. One is I haven't, ten is I have. Now, church, listen. You can toll it up later and just grow. Just maybe every month, just do that again and see if you're growing, right? That's just a little test. I gave you a tangible way. High score is 80. If you're at a 50, guess what? Wouldn't it be great if a month from now you do that again and you're honest with the Holy Spirit and you're like at a 65? Amen. Now, second thing. Here's the project. And it's the invitation. I know it's going to be a little awkward. I thought about not doing it. And then I thought, no, the Holy Spirit said this is it. Do it. You don't have, not everybody has to do it. Pastors, deacons, those of you that are more comfortable can help us. I'd like to just do this. I'd like to give the invitation today by just saying, men with men, ladies with ladies, as you feel comfortable when we stand, I'm going to, I'm going to, I already know I'm going to go to somebody that I just met. If it's okay, brother, I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you this morning. I know we just met. It's kind of awkward, but we do know brother Ronnie Floyd. That was your pastor. And so we're good there. I'm just going to, what was your first name again? John. I'm going to pray with John. And I'm just going to tell John the one, one, the one thing that I think I need to work on most. And John's going to tell me the one thing he needs to work on most. And then we're just going to pray. You say, man, that's a, you might be running him off. <laughs> well, I, I think if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you got to do it. And then maybe, maybe God would have you to go somebody, not just the person you know, but maybe somebody around you. We're going to take about five minutes. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, come on the platform. I'm going to ask the pastors... Instead of coming forward, I'm going to ask you to find somebody. And you can sit, you can kneel, you can just, but we're all going to stand right now. And if you feel led to go to a sister in the building or a brother in the building, then you do that right now. And the worship team's going to start singing. 
And this is our invitation. Savior alone carried the cross for all of my death. He paid the cost, salvation complete.